shit feel good. This is how you really gonna start this shit. All right, man. I'm starting off this shit. <laughs> Volume 60 of Show Your Work Network. We are back. My boy Nelson will be here in a minute. I got my dog Young in here, as always. I am DJ Larry. Follow me at DJ Larry0093 in the pod at Show Your Work Net on Twitter. And, you know, we're gonna switch it up a little bit today, man. You know, originally, you know, I hit my boy up and I said, man, put me on to some dope music. He sent me the link and I said, nah, bruh, we got to have this interview, man. So we're going to show you all what the next phase of show you work going to look like. But first and foremost, let me introduce my brother and always friend of the show at Earl Got Soul. <clears throat> my brother, what's going on, man? Youngin. My man DJ Larry, what's good with y'all? Um, shit, you, man, you know, you damn near we 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 damn near country cousins now in this bitch, man. Shit, <laughs> we and trust me, the collaborations and work we got coming this year, scary house for a lot of these uh these networks out here, man. So for sure, I appreciate y'all having me on as always. Oh yes, sir. Anytime, shit. I, I'm afraid to do it because I don't trust the government. But real shit, we may need to right. do the fucking ancestry shit because the way we be talking. Like, <laughs> hey man, look, motherfuckers. Like, oh, you know this nigga? Oh, I right, bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Da 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 da. Something. Yeah. niggas rooted together. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. But speaking of family, we got a member of my family on for sure. I'm talking about me and this guy, dog. We we go back like, God, man. I couldn't even tell you, dog. It's it's it's. It, I'm talking about motherfucking before basketball cards like i'm talking about oh, wow. power rangers on the motherfucking confidence and shit man we talking that wow. kind of dope back and and i i'm happy to say that one of the greatest rappers in the world is my brother so you know what i'm saying dj Larry, I'm gonna let you kick off the intro man yes sir so without further ado man we have that boy crown man at who is crown man you know what i'm saying on all social platforms my brother Crown, welcome to the show, man. We appreciate you coming through. Hey, what's happening? What's happening, man? I appreciate y'all having me. DJ Larry, Youngin, Earl, of course, man. Uh, I'm interested to get into these topics in this conversation, man. So thank y'all for um, letting me come kick it with y'all for a second. For sure, for sure. So before we get into our normal, quote-unquote, show-your-work shenanigans, as I like to call it, <laughs> you know, I, I do want to ask you a few questions in relation to what I've heard. And I do want to say this for the people who are listening. I will never sell y'all some bullshit or promote some bullshit to y'all. So trust me, if Crown was ass, if he was trash, if he was not good, <laughs> he would not be on this platform today. <laughs> Please believe it. So when I say the boy can go, the boy can go. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so just as an introduction, I do want to ask you a few questions just okay. so people can get, you know, you know, in tune and kind of figure out what's going on. So real quick, just simple question. What made you want to start rapping? And I guess I do want to ask a detailed question, but first give people a little bit, you know, info about yourself, where you're from, and you know, what really got you into the music? Okay, bet, 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 man. My name is Crown, um, artist, entrepreneur out of Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, been doing music most all my life. If not all my life, feel like all my life. Um, 
as far as what uh got me into doing music, man, I was a kid. Honestly, you know, I'm a nineties kid, so there's a few different influences. Um, of course, you know, Michael Jackson being one of them. I think I don't know a black kid in the nineties who wasn't inspired by Mike in some type of way. Um, hip hop kind of coming up under the golden era of rap, it was inevitable. I think what made me start writing was a uh, house party. Um, mm, okay. Honestly, that was like one of my me and my god sister. Yeah, that was one of me and my god sister's favorite movies as a kid, and um, I would just mimic the battle scene all the time. And mm-hmm. okay. in the beginning of the movie, there's a scene where like kid was writing his rhymes on a bed. And I remember I had just like learned how to write, so I had like a little three three prong folder and some paper in it. And I just like wrote like two lines. It was like, "Yeah, I'm a rapper." <laughs> stuck with it. Yeah, that's dope. So to to follow up what you said, I'm actually I'm gonna say one thing, and then well, I'm gonna say two things actually. Yeah, well, Michael Jackson, dog. Listen, bro, that motherfucker. St- and we 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 cuss, so you more than welcome to say whatever the fuck okay. you want on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are unfiltered. Yeah. So yeah, man, well, Michael Jackson, bro, ain't nobody fucking with Mike, dog. That motherfucker stood on stage for seven minutes <laughs> or however long it was before saying a word. And then just said a word like, I don't think anybody's gonna ever be able to top that Super Bowl performance, dog. Like, especially when he was started hop, jumping through the arena, like he would come through the you know actual yeah, stage, right. like he was Ray Mysterio or something. Yeah, bro, nobody fucking with Mike, dog. So no, for sure. And for then sure. with House Party, I'm gonna ask the the best debate one or two. Which one is your favorite? I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I just watched two the other day. I'm gonna always go with one. Mm. Um, because of the originality of it and the rawness of it. Um, I love okay. two, but what I noticed with two was like because one was so successful, of course they they try to go more bigger and more mainstream and more kind of pop with it. Um, you know, of course it became a college party and shit like that. But a lot of the stuff that I seen on two to me wasn't as raw and as authentic as one. Like nigga, you know, from the school fight scene to the you know, nigga drunk, you got to take a nigga home and leave him on his porch type shit to just even the creep of like, you know what I'm saying? You risked it all for one night trying to get you some ass. That shit that niggas really done live through, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it just, it means something different to me. And it's my start point. So, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I can totally respect that. But you see, I didn't ask shit about three. <laughs> yeah, three is, so... like, I fucking hate three. And four is never to be mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking I, about. I don't. I, yeah, for, for it not to be mentioned, but you got it, like the the, the Bernie Mac scene. Throw the jaw bone. No, oh, Bernie's scene was funny, but I'm gonna be honest. With you, like they went off. Besides it, yeah. Besides it, like I'm gonna yeah. owe it'll be House Party One, Class Act, House Party Two for me. All right, yep. I feel like. All right, now where's where's school days up there for you? School days, man. Ugh. Um, we talking Spike film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like school days, man. I'm not gonna lie to you, but as a Spike fan, um, and as a music guy, I don't really put school days up there. I love it for what it was art wise, but I'm really mm-hmm. into. I'm more of a more better blues. Um, uh, more of a more better blues. He got game guy. I see what you're saying now. I, you see I see what, what you're saying. Now, school days is just 
I love school days because if you never get anything from that movie, just always remember that Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson Thanks. was outside of a KFC arguing with some frat niggas <laughs> and telling them how they weren't going to be shit. And 40 years later, we're looking at Samuel L. Jackson, dog. Thanks. So, Thanks. Yeah, nah, that's, that's Thanks. what's up, man. So... So now I'm going to ask you a question, a few questions before we get into the project itself. The last project being, you know, it's out right now. Y'all go check it out. It's called We Still Don't Know. It's on all the streaming services and platforms. And if you look at the ticker, I have put, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know why my voice is doing this today. I have put all of Crown's information there so y'all can support the brand. The brand is Brolic. So I do want to ask you a few questions. Now, okay. when you get into rapping, obviously, you know, you have your favorites, right? Mm-hmm. As a just as a listener. Now, mm-hmm. once you actually get in it, you may look at some people that you thought were either trash or weren't all that, and then you actually learn to get a little respect for them, you know, just because mm-hmm. of the grind, the hustle, things like that. So who were your inspirations before rap? And then after rap, who were some that you could say, okay, I can respect his hustle now? Um, okay, so coming into rap, man, like I said, I'm a 90s baby, so my inspirations were Outkast, Pac, Hove, um, Snoop, of course, I think, um, and going into the 2000s, Kanye's, Wayne's, T.I.'s, um, you know, the legends, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that was always my inspirations. I think Jay was probably, Jay and Andre were my biggest, though. Andre just from style and approach and originality and Jay from hustle. And, you know what I'm saying, just the bravado, you know what I'm saying? Um, as far as when I as I got in the game and started working in music and making moves, I think, I don't know if there's one specific person. Um, I think every year, me and Earl can uh, kind of test this, every year I would have like two people that I would look at and just see. Because um, if you notice, you know, around the summer cycles, you always get two different artists, right? Um, and I would see people come up year by year. I think what ends up happening is you have a respect for everybody if you do this shit, mm-hmm. because whether they good or not, yeah, to navigate this water is fucking <clears throat> like you swimming with sharks for real, nigga. And, and to make it out this water with your with your legs and your arms intact, nigga, you know what I'm saying, it's damn near impossible. So you you get a base level of respect. But um, for some people that surprised me, I would say. Um, let me think. Who's the person that I was surprised? Future. Future was somebody that surprised me. Um, okay. You mind elaborating? Yeah. When I first moved to Atlanta um, in 2011, I don't know what I thought I was walking into um, <laughs> in the sense of like just the market. Because like when you go to New York and you go to L.A., they're very they're 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 very big on history. And music history, mm-hmm. they also they also make move, moves and room for the new generation. But like they're very, like they're very nostalgic. They respect their legends. You know, you get the you get to L.A., you're gonna hear Snoop on the radio. You get to New York, you're gonna hear Jay. You're gonna hear some Biggie play. You're gonna hear certain things. And Atlanta, what I was expecting when I first got here was to hear at least some Outkast. You know what I'm saying? For years, I didn't hear no cast on the radio. But this was like, I literally moved here like a week before Two Chains took off with Right Around. I'm getting it. Like, I literally yeah. had a whole conversation with him. Nigga was smoking an extendo blunt outside of the F-350, outside of high school. He was still Titty Boy at that time. Yeah, he was Titty Boy. He was, he was just, like, the tape was just finna drop, and Future had just dropped 
racks on racks on racks, him and YC. So mm-hmm. when I first heard Future, I didn't think it was such a different sound to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know, sorry if this is going too long, but man, nah, we brother, we here. Show you here. Okay, cool, <laughs> cool, cool. Um, with Future, it was like, you know, we in, we in the middle of the blog era, so you know, it's the Drakes, it's the Coles, it's you know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying it's the Shans, the Wale's, it's the Rhymers. It's kind of like this rebirth of like spitters, and then here's Future with like this really unorthodox, awkward vibe. And I didn't think it was. I I I'm gonna be honest. I didn't think it was gonna last as long as it did. Um, I loved some of the songs, but I was like, yo, this nigga like the Tony Montana when he like, all I got in my words and my balls. I'm like, nigga, that don't even like rhyme. <laughs> it fucked me up. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, yo, this shit is going. But then um, when he did Monster. I was at the listening session at Patchwork. That's no, Tree Studio. Tree Sound, mm-hmm. Tree Sound. Sorry, I was at Tree Sound. I went to the listening Another session. Another legendary studio. Facts, <laughs> in Atlanta. And um, I just remember, like, we was in the studio, and um, he was standing in the middle, like, we was by the control room, control boy. He was standing in the middle. He had on a white bandana, and he had, like, his dreads up, and he just sitting still. Man, this shit was like a movie. I lied to you now, man. They was just sitting still, and it was, like, 20, 30 young niggas around him. And he had done played, he was like, press play. And they play, put that blonde in my dress. I went Tupac. Whip bandana around my head like I'm Tupac. This nigga standing completely still like a fucking sergeant. And these niggas is around him jumping off the fucking walls, nigga. Just, and I was in that bitch like, oh, this nigga's different. Like, <laughs> that was the moment when I was like, okay, I get it. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it was an honor because after that, I really got to see like, the power of community and change. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times in rap, especially for classic rap fans, we don't allow much room for change. Um, and I, I think those are the people that inspire me, the people that kind of come in and do the shit that ain't supposed to technically work. Right. And then it fucking works. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, it's a lot of people, of course. But he's the one that comes to mind. Right. And it's interesting you mentioned two chains because, you know, we we're from Memphis and I remember, you know, the campaign he had prior with the Trap of Valley Part Two mixtape and mm-hmm. how before riding around and getting it, it was I just call it boo. And then, mm-hmm. you know, of course, shout out to, to Bigger Ranking, you know, that whole campaign. So, you know, to get to Codeine Cowboy was not an easy journey for him. So but- it took him some time. So my next question I wanted to ask you is since you mentioned future and you already have your inspirations, because when I listen to the music, you know, if I had to compare it, I do see the Andre because I, I see I hear the, and feel the poetry. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I, I see I can see comparisons to like Wale, Cole. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see those comparisons. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, being a vet in this, you're not no rookie at all, you know. Can you talk about the pressure that you may have put on yourself to always either evolve or, you know, try to make your music adaptable to people that may be out of your normal, you know, range or comfort zone? Because, you know, you get into a zone and you just know what you like to make. But then sometimes you want to be conscious and try to, quote unquote, make the radio song or make the club song, you know, make that song. So do you. Now that you've been in it for 10 years, do you still feel that? Or more than 10 years? Do you feel like, man, this is something I need to do? Or do you just go with the flow, man, and whatever works? Whatever. Um, 
honestly, man, it's it's kind of hard to say. Um, there's a training ground that goes in this shit, right? So, mm-hmm. like I told you, I started as a writer. You know, that was my first placement in the game. Um, right. For me, man, I've always been. So, if you listen to the people that I named, that were my inspirations, right? Mm-hmm. Outkast, Jay Z's, Tupac's, Kanye West's, Ti's, these type of people. The reason why I always loved these artists was because they gave you substance as well as hits. Right. They could give you a hit and say some shit. They hits never felt forced. You know what I'm saying? They never felt like, oh, I'm just trying to make a radio song. It always mm-hmm. felt like there was a message in it and this shit just jamming so hard that it hit the radio. And that was always my goal from the jump. So I kind of was trained in that, just studying those guys. So it's never really been pressure for me. Um, I think probably the biggest challenge for me was kind of coming to Atlanta during that future era because at that time, you know, I'm a pure rhymer, and we are in the blog era, um, but this is the change. This is where we're getting into, like, the trap era is really expanding. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 808 Mafia is running the city. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm well aware. <laughs> the Migo flow is just, like, killing everything, and it's like, mm-hmm. in Atlanta, one thing about the A is, like, this shit is so family-oriented, people don't understand. I tell people all the time, like, you can be in Atlanta and never been in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And speaking right. of Atlanta, man, happy birthday to that boy, Keith, man. Low Life Mac, man. Salute to my happy guy. Happy birthday to my dog. Birthday, Keith, King. my boy. Happy B-Day, bro. For sure. Um, but yeah, man, so being here, that was probably the heart. That's the only challenge I've really faced musically was just like trying to navigate through that space and still maintain lyricism because in Atlanta, it's about feel. Um, mm-hmm. It's not really about lyricism. It's about lingo and it's about feel and just really kind of being a total package as opposed to just being nice um, with your pen and so forth. But once I figured that shit out, it just made me a more lethal artist and, and writer because I tell everybody, like, as a as a writer, if you don't spend any time in Atlanta as a producer or a writer, you not really don't ever get in this shit because they have a tempo that's so far ahead of the curve. It's like nothing's the same. Every year, shit changed. The lingo changed. Like, prime example, you seeing this pushing P shit. Like, even though we know that's some Oakland shit. Thank what, you. Thank, what, thank you. I wish I had the damn office gift where I could just press that with Michael Scott. Yeah, you Man. know what I'm saying? We know where it come from. But just to show the power of Atlanta, it wasn't popping like that until Atlanta put a snap on it. And now everybody pushing P. You see what I'm saying? It's like niggas who don't even know the origin. Like, that's, that's the power of the A. Like, when they start... Mm-hmm putting they whole little spin on shit is different so um that was probably my biggest challenge just figuring my way around that and trying to master the art of still being authentic to who i am and to the style of music that i love but as far as like chasing his and just i don't feel no pressure trust me 2022 gonna be beautiful my boy said he's kicking down the dough i ain't gonna hey. lie, i'm right there i'm right there with you i want any folks to speak <laughs> Go ahead, bro. But nah, nah, cause I feel I feel him on it. Like I ain't like I ain't never you know what I'm saying been to the A, but she just moving from moving from down south to up north is like you know they got that 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 Midwest Ohio got that Midwest flow. You feel me? They ain't got their own sound. Mm-hmm. You know, you either you either gonna if you rap from you from Ohio, you gonna sound like you from Detroit, or you gonna sound like you from Chicago. 
facts. I'm coming in. I'm from the cell. Like, I'm sounding like I'm from Memphis. And they're like, yeah, the shit. You know what I'm saying? What I normally do is cool. But it's like, all right, let me try to adapt to y'all shit, too. But, nigga, I can't. I'm going to be honest with you, though, bro. Not to, you know what I'm saying, pride nothing. But, nigga, Memphis the hottest shit in the world right now. Don't switch nothing. No. Nah, <laughs> this is, look. So, you said you you said you moved to Atlanta 2011, right? Yeah. I moved to Ohio 2012. So okay. when I moved, when I moved there, Memphis was really just now get starting to get seen again. Mm-hmm. So I don't get me wrong, I feel what you're saying. I ain't gonna switch shit. I would ne- I ain't gonna say I would yeah. never rap on a, you know what I'm saying, a sped up a Detroit style beat. I just know I'm not gonna use that flow. No, for sure. Like the Memphis thing. flow, the hardest flow out right now. But that's the dopest part about where you at, because you are kind of you're in a sweet space, my nigga, because the Detroit flow and the Memphis flow is taking over the, the sound right now. Yeah, like, nah, it really is. So it's like you you do kind of if you fuck around and master that hybrid between both, nigga, you Thanos out this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so that does lead to my next question that I had, um, and that's gonna be since you are talking about different styles and different things, walk me through your normal as an artist. Mm-hmm. Walk me through your process for picking out a beat. Now, are you a man, let me just go on Beat Stars, Track Train, or whatever, and just pick something out? Or are you just hitting the homies up and, you know, seeing what they got in the stash for you? Nah, man, I got a lot of producer friends. Like I said, that's the beauty of kind of writing. You mm-hmm. end up meeting a lot of producers. and So I got a lot of homies who produce. Um, I don't really do the Beat Stars shit. Like, every time I've done one of those situations, Beat Stars, YouTube, Beat, or something like that, it's always some fuckery. Oh, oh, um, trust me. Because <laughs> niggas really don't like, I think that's the difference between superstars, producers, like producers and beat makers. You know what I'm saying? Niggas ain't really producers. They beat makers and then they do shit like this internet shit kind of fucked the business up in a sense of like, you know, you can't sell me an exclusive beat if it's on YouTube, nigga. Because I could just YouTube the MP3 your shit. And now there's nothing exclusive about it. Everybody has it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't really do the, the internet producers, the beat star producers. And I hate that for them. I know it's a lot of money in that market, but it's like it's hard to really monetize when you're really playing the game the right way. Mm-hmm. Every producer that is a producer that's got the qualifications, the credentials, the plaques, they should not know no goddamn beat stars, bro. Like, or if it was, it was back in the day when they was just trying to get on. But once you hit a certain level, dog, you're not giving your workout like that. So I don't really pick from that. But are you asking about sound or just like? Well, yeah, that and sound too. Yeah. Um, as far as sound goes, um, that bitch gotta be jamming, man. Like <laughs> I gotta feel it. It gotta be jamming. I'm like that's why I kind of this kind of connects to your last question, like. That's why I don't really have a problem with like hit chasing because I know hit beats when I hear them. You know what I'm saying? I know what's going to catch. I got a really good ear for that. I'm grateful to have that ear. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I I hate rappers who pick horrible beats. Like, I personally <laughs> just hate it because it's like, bro, there's so many beats in the world. You chose that? Like, and, and to go to your point, that's why. Because as a person who dibbles and dabbles myself with produ- production, you know, like I said, I, I call myself an expert and novice. I know a little bit, but I don't. I'm not mm. going to act like I know everything. You feel me? No, I feel it. It, it. It's a double-edged sword because on one hand, you can grow your audience by putting beats out, 
you know. On the other hand, you know, if I can't blame a motherfucker if they broke and you know YouTube the MP3. I mean, we've yeah. been there. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it is a catch twenty two. But the thing is, is you know, I do think it's necessary only because as much as I love some of my own personal people that I network with and love, shout out to Troy mm-hmm. Cameron, shout out to DJ Cash, shout out to Snoop. I'd be here all day. Trey Voorhees, former guest of the show. Right. You know, it's important that you do step out of your own particular zone because some days your homeboy might not have it. No, nah, that's know? for sure. I mean, you not to cut you off. Um, no, you good. No, you got to have multiple producers for sure. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I mean, you know, production and just anything in business, but specifically amongst the creatives, this is a constant game of shaking hands and networking, right? So it's mm-hmm. like every day you're gonna meet somebody new. And for me, what I would, what I will say is like I do this, you know, I don't know how long I'll be able to do this. It's been working thus far, but you know, niggas is weird. Um, but. I typically, anytime a producer reach out to me and want to like work with me, I'm like, yo, send them through. I give everybody a listen. So I'm always looking for new producers. I'm always looking for new sounds and new styles. So it's never just sticking with one person, but just from the business aspect, I've never seen the internet beats work well. It's always a problem. Like on every level, it's always a problem because you get a beat from a nigga. And, okay, he did the drums, but then he got a loop from a nigga in Switzerland. And then six other people like, yo, I paid the exclusive fee for this beat. And now what ends up happening is Cardi B got the record and she loves it, but now she want to scrap the whole song because it's a headache. Or they go get somebody else to just reproduce the shit because at this point, it's too much mess with it. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, coming from the internet era, it's cool to get your money and hustle, but it's like, Producers, one thing I will tell you about, I, I know more producers than I know anybody. These niggas is in the rooms. They're in the studio. That's why I tell everybody who produces, like, if you are a producer and you are not in Atlanta, you are not trying to make it. Period. Because this is the easiest market in the world. Literally. Like, you can literally be in the studio and Zaytoven be in the next room and walk in the door and be like, oh, that shit dope. Come fuck with me real quick. Hey, put, put some keys on this or put some horns on this. Boom, boom, boom. And that's thing you know you got a co-placement. And then you do that three, four fucking times. Now you got you a manager. And on the front end, you might have lost a little bit. But on the back end, nigga, now you in the room with this person, this person, this person. Now you getting a publishing deal just because you was just in the right place at the right time cooking up. That's how that shit works. You know what I'm saying? And them niggas ain't always on the internet. If anything, they on Twitch doing their live shit. They doing like just the whole, the beat game is changing. You know what I'm saying? And the beat star shit. Yeah, it's money in it, but you know, it's like what are we going for? Are we going for not dimes and nicks or are we selling bricks? What are we doing? I can definitely respect where you're coming from on that. You know, like I said, I I mean personally, I've been in certain situations that you were just mentioning earlier, like, you know, man, this is some bullshit, you know, the yeah. loops and splits and shit like that. And I've also seen the other side of the coin where, you know, I've seen dudes who have gotten movie placements later on. Now, granted, you know, some producers still throw some scrap beats online just yeah. for some quick, you know, gas money or something like that. You feel me? Even though they are established. So, you yeah, know, no, I that's cool. Yeah. Sure. I definitely see both sides. But yeah, like, I mean, if you got a certain placement, 
it's just like with anything, like man, if you got dope, you ain't gonna just sell no right you know Reggie prices if you got gas. You know what yeah, I'm saying? You're gonna right. sell it for what it's worth. So I, I totally get that. But you know, just a just a question because you know everybody's process is a little different. So since you mentioned the studio, mm-hmm. combine two questions into one. <laughs> so are you a full block, you know, eight hour block, full day? Or at home, guy. And when you do record, what's something that it's like? All right, bro, I gotta have this shit with me when I record. Like, I gotta have this with me when I'm getting ready to lay a track down. Um, we don't, man. Honestly, bro, I've been in studios in years, bro. We still don't know what's recorded in an Airbnb in the living room. <laughs> um, Respect. Yeah, we don't. I think you know studios have their place. Don't get it twisted. And like, I'm I'm climbing back to the studio process, but. Some of my greatest music done came in the hood, <laughs> like literally in the living room. Um, so it's it, it's not really no process for me. If there's a mic there, we can get busy. Um, as far as something that I have to have, I don't think it's nothing I really have to have. But a thing that we really kind of thrive on in our team is like we get these lights. Like I need color changing lights wherever I'm at. I need, because I might feel blue, I might feel red, I might feel green and purple, and it just might set an ambiance to me, but that's about it, man. I feel you, bro. Let me, nah. let me, let me, let me interrupt real quick, because I, I do got to call a little bit of cap. He does need one thing. What Wherever you at, make sure that your finest tea leaves are present in that space. <laughs> Wherever y'all can provide the finest of tea. And on a real talk, though, I've seen a lot of people record a lot of things and a lot of my time, whether it's podcasting, music or whatever. One thing about, you know, Crown, two things for certain. He cares about how his voice is 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 appearing on on what he does. For and sure. there's there's something to be said about an artist who cares about the quality of his work to that extent. Um, a lot of times, you know, studios are filled, you know, smoke drinking this that, and the third but i can tell y'all every time i've seen the man either drink hella water and hella tea now after we may go get something to eat or whatever that's cool but at that time nothing but water yeah no nah, you definitely got to keep keep the hydrates in the room like i keep a lot of water around um just because i experience like so i i i experiment with my vo- voice you know what i'm saying i kind of mm-hmm. use my voice as an instrument so you definitely got to make sure that the vocal cords is on point you know one thousand percent. See, and it's funny because he said tea leaves. I thought he was being sly and referencing. Oh no, no, no! Else. I'm dead ass about the, no, the no, finest no. of tea. Like, of course, no, 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 no. Tell them on there being a being a smoker that records and being a person that smokes while recording. You definitely need some good tea. And I'm sure. Right. For sure. And then my shit, like my voice, come out naturally raspy anyway. So I ain't gonna say I play with my voice, but you're gonna get this clean raspiness, goddamn. I feel it. That's <laughs> right. 1,000%. All right, man. So since we – I mean, I'm I'm going through most of these, man. So I'm going to ask you a few more questions. And I got actually some questions about some songs I've heard. Like I said, I'm not going to ask you no basic-ass shit that I'm asking. Oh, no. I love the real questions. Let's do it. So, all right. So I'm going to share my screen. And then I'm going to ask you a question because I have a question about your upcoming project. And it goes into this. So Leaders will be out on February 22nd. Correct. Like like the date that you chose. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. 
All right. So for people out there, they'll be able to see this artwork. Now. Oh, look at that. That's dope. Little motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> so my question is, when it comes to making like just inspiration in general, like what is some things that you do like to if you're in an art slump where you're trying to figure something out, like, you know, like, damn, how do I want this? Or just even in a music slump, like what's something that you, you know, your go to like, all right, this will get me out of my slump. Uh, I think music kind of just gets you out your slump. Um, for okay. me, I'm in a, I'm kind of in a different place. It's kind of weird for me right now. Cause I've never been in this place before, but, um, for this particular tape, kind of just give you some history behind this tape and what it is and just the date. Mm -hmm. It's called Leader. Um, it's the 10 year anniversary of a tape that I did before called Leader of the Lost, which was released 2-12-12. Um, and that whole concept of that tape was like training ground for me, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did was like, I studied like 200 albums, just rap albums, classic rap albums. And I took like a verse from like the hottest artists of each year from like 1985 to like 2012 when it dropped. I took a beat, whatever one of their classic beats was, and I rapped over it. Just trying to push my pen and push my style and so forth. It ended up being like 80 verses and shit was crazy. Um, but that foundation kind of built a lot of my early fan base. Um, and so a lot of people love that era of my music. And for this one, they just kept asking me to bring it back, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of past it, but how could I get back into it? And I was kind of in a slump musically, um, just because it's kind of hard to create sometimes when the world is in chaos. Um, and I think we said all we needed to say to the world, but we still don't know. So, But this one, what I started doing was, this is a mixtape. It's um, it's really classic mixtape shit. Like It's just cover beats. Like I took everybody beat, and I'm blacking <laughs> on it. So I... um. The inspiration behind this was I just started listening to a lot of Drought 3. Hmm. Drought 2, Dedication 2, um, some battle rap shit. Like this tape about bars. And so when I'm in a real rap mode and I want to like snap, I get into like, I think the mixtape era is like the greatest fucking training ground for any rapper. Like, go ahead. Sound like you had something to say. No, I was just going to say, man, nah, because I got a shameless ass plug. So ironically, literally next week, we are having a conversation about mixtapes from 2006 to 2008. So I'm down. <laughs> if, you, if you ain't doing shit, I'll give you the, the basis of what we're going to be covering. But yeah, it's just ironic. So yeah, y'all heard that first volume 61 mixtape conversation. We are definitely coming back next week for some chaos with that. Yes, one. So, sir. Okay. Yeah, I need to be in on that one, but uh, yeah, man. So like when I'm in a rhyming mode, I listen to a lot of, um, just a lot of lot of classic rap mixtape shit. A lot of lot of Jada Kiss freestyles. A lot of mm. um, Fab shit. I love Griselda, uh, Wayne. Just all the spitters. All the niggas who really just say shit that make you press the rewind button. When I'm in a more melodic mood, um, I'm always listening to melody. I love a lot of old school music though. So like Marvin Gaye is one of my favorites. I'm still just like in awe of how this nigga layer his vocals and his harmonies. Um, Prince, um, Beatles, anything, Korean Bailey, right? anything I can get my hands on that's just different. I mean, I'm a, I'm very much so like, if I grew up in a record area, I'd probably be like a crate digger for real. I'd just be in a record store all day, but that ain't really my thing. Um, but yeah, I could find inspiration in a lot of ways. Um, women, 
<laughs> women for sure like um one of the greatest I, inspirations since the beginning for sure. of time. <laughs> especially women who love music you know what i'm saying um because women oh, feel man. music different so i always I'm, I'm i'm a notorious playlist thief so <laughs> if i'm with you and you playing some shit that's nice you're gonna have to come up off that playlist for me <laughs> My boy but, said he's the Shazam bandit. I oh, nigga, listen. I got. I was just telling <laughs> my nigga B, like, now nah, this shit might sound crazy. Niggas gonna steal my sauce, though. Watch this. Listen, H&M, any department store got the best music ever. When you want to hear some shit you ain't never heard before. Nah, for real. For melodic shit, like, nigga, my Shazam, <laughs> oh, stay off h H&M. Fam, no, let me tell you something. It's funny, because... I was laughing when you know people were joking on weekend with his last album. They were like, "Oh man, this sound like that H and M music." And I'm like, "H and M got the most fire the shit." Like, vibes, man, like, hey, listen, bro, I discovered Cleo Soul and in, in line at an H and M. I promise fam, you, man. I have noted, fam. Even going back to a kid before yeah. Shazam, all that, I'm talking about before even having a cell phone. I'm talking. I remember being 12, 13 years old at. The Macy's dealer department store broke with no money, trying to get the cologne and hearing, you know, Spandau Ballet True in the background, or hearing yeah. Hall and Notes, or hearing like, man, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Like, I'm a Shazam band in my damn self, man. Like, man, being when I used to work at Lowe's, dog, like home improvement store, man, I used to be in that motherfucker jamming, dog, <laughs> taking that Shazam shit. So that's what's up, man. So. My last main question before we ask about the music is just simply now that you've been in this and now that you've earned your stripes, mm-hmm. as they say, can you talk about the importance of your team and those around you? Um, yeah, man, I think that's the most important factor ever. Um I'm I am my team. You did what I'm saying, and my team is me. And what I mean by that is like crowning just this person you're talking to, crown is a combination of everybody that's around me you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. um i'm not only telling my story i'm doing my best to tell all our stories you know i just i got the way with the words you know but my nigga b got the way with the camera Bree got the way with the engineering earl got the way with the look and the fashion and just the culture like he's just in invested that deep into it um ao got the way with just them turntables so it's like some fucking transformer shit where we just all come together and i'm just the person that's you know pushing the narrative with the words um over the years i've always had a team you know i come from like i said I, I hate to keep referencing the era but it's like you know we come from the crew era with music you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. nigga it wasn't it was always a squad nigga it was jay and rockefeller ti psc wayne and young money before that squad up mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying it was always a click it was never just one artist um so for me that was kind of my foundation and coming from the city that I come from, I've just always been a big believer in power and numbers. Okay. The more people that's together with what you're doing, you know, the stronger the movement going to be. But on a journey to anything, you got to navigate the struggles of just human nature and psychology. You know what I'm saying? Um, I always tell everybody, you know, you, you can't do shit without no help, dog. Like, no man is an island. You know what I'm saying? You weren't put here by yourself. It took two people to come together just to get you here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you don't always need somebody. It's about picking the people that um that's that's solid. You know what I'm saying? Like I think anything I think 
I can't speak for everybody, but I think most people specifically in this country want three things, you know. You want somebody that love you. When they don't love you, at least they understand you. When they don't understand you, they still at least want you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they at least still want to be around you. Um, and I think when you're building a team, those are the things that you want to look for. Um, understanding, love, and want. And even trust, but you know what I'm saying? To a certain extent, you can't trust nobody until the fire's on. So, you know, those three things that give you the, the most faith in whatever trust you can place in people. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, to me, um, I don't I don't see anybody not make it without a team. Like, your team either going to help you swim or it's going to make you sink. One or the other, man. And I'm grateful for my team. Um, we're a group of collectives. These guys and girls could do anything they wanted to do in the world. But we chose to do it together, and I think that that shit is more than anything. Um, representing the team, shop open, uh, shopvelvopen.com. Leader come out 222-22, going to help reorder that. Okay, seven split. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, bro. And, then, you know, I shared the page earlier so people can see it. But in the comments, too, I'm going to share this as well. So you guys can definitely um, check that out later on but y'all can definitely take a look at that and again it's on the ticker man like at who is crown it's gonna get you right to the site so all right let's get to the music man so i have a few few more questions and then we get to our normal shenanigans all right man let's start off with the bullshit the fun shit okay fuck these niggas now (laughs) (laughs) yo we could talk all day about that all right right. let me ask you a few questions man all right Talk to me about how this song came about and just how real this song is. Because, again, I, you you told the truth on this shit, man. These girls will hop on fucking anything that they can type their ass off to and yeah, say, facts. fuck these niggas. Niggas ain't shit. But then, you know, disrespect the fact that it took a man to have them. You know, they yeah. do have fathers somewhere. And, yeah. you know, just love talking so much shit. But, you know, again... I can't wait till y'all see the video. Oh, it's a vi- oh wow. Yeah, I got a yeah. treatment for the video. It's gonna be so incredible. Oh, Listen, we shooting this song. Um, yeah, man. Well, you know, so that part of the tape, the tape was a concept project, right? And that portion of the tape kind of sets off our generation. So I broke the mm-hmm. tape down into three different generations: Generation Z, Generation Y, Generation X. X being our parents, Y being us, Z being the newer generation. Right. Um, right. Right. Why, you know, if you notice this Gen Y, W H Y, um, it's like why? Why we do the shit we do? That's mm-hmm. not how I looked at it. So with FTN, I just wanted to pose a question now. Let me tell you the side note. That's every chick's favorite song off the album. It's gotta be like, like I literally got girls <laughs> that's walking around this motherfucker who plays this song every day. Like I got a homegirl that every day she plays the song and she called me to tell me she playing the song. And I kind of told I was like, you know, it's it's a diss song, right? Like, <laughs> like you know, the song is about you. Like, it's not really <laughs> for you to. She's like, yeah, I know, but still, this is how it's feeling because they hit a hook. You see what I'm saying? Um, dog, they get a chance to just walk around and say, "Fuck these niggas," and that's they all they just, wanted to say. Anyway. That's all they wanted to fucking say. <laughs> so <laughs> the whole <laughs> the whole concept of the record for me was like, I mean, I think it's I I don't think I could have worded it any better. I just wanted. I, how can I say this? Nelson come, just popped up. This is my co-host, Nelson. He just popped up. What's good? What's up? I'm sorry I'm late, y'all. 
Shout out to right on time, actually. Um, so the thing about FTN was like, <laughs> all right, this might get me in trouble, but um, I feel like we got an era where a lot of niggas talk for women and don't talk to women musically. <laughs> Uh, hang hang on just one second. Let me let me find what I'm looking for. Can you repeat that one more <laughs> time? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really think we just in the era where a lot of niggas talk for women and don't talk to women. Oh man, musically. And um, for me, I don't come from that. Like I can't. I'm not a woman, so I can't speak for you. But I can mm-hmm. speak to you. You know what I'm saying? And my favorite rappers was the niggas who could talk to the women and make the women feel wanted and respected and cool or even included but they also represented for the niggas right now it's a lot of nigga bashing music out here and it's like nobody's really telling the perspective from what we see and what we go through so when i'm writing ftn like if you hit a skit like going into it mm-hmm. that's my homegirl sparrow saying we look we quit the yell fuck these niggas but when niggas tell us to get our shit together everybody quiet and i feel like there's so many young men that go through that shit consistently. Like, we constantly just, like, you know how many times I've seen this shit, chick, like, post a meme, and I'm like, you're naked right here. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're naked right here, but you posting this meme about this, 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 and it's just, it's crazy. So I just wanted something that I felt like when the niggas heard it, they was like, nigga, somebody said it, and I knew the way to do that is mixing the candy with the medicine. So when the women hear it, they gonna. I knew instantly. Oh fuck these niggas. That's it. <laughs> cool. Sing it, but really listen to what I'm saying to you. That was the whole concept behind it. And that's the great part about it because that project came out in 2020 and is still so relevant today, man. Because like I'm For sitting sure. there, I'm sitting there listening to it. And I'm like, yeah, bro. Ain't nobody got time to be, you know, going through your story with, with 25 Justin LaBoy, Justin LaCointel pro quotes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, no, so. <laughs> That's 1,000%. I guess my next question, because you mentioned Gen Y, and I did notice the concept of it. I don't know yeah. if you're a... I don't know if you listen to Big Crit like that, but one of my favorite... Not for Crit. Crit projects was Forever in a Day, where he kind of just ran through his day, and it's kind of what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just, you know, concept. Because I did like the interludes, speaking with your people, and how they led into the songs and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. my next question was going to be about... In a constant state of, mm-hmm. because within a constant state of, most people, especially coming up black, southern Baptist churches, meth, you know things mm-hmm. like that. You know, you go to church, it's all about praising God and you know giving God glory, things of that nature. So, describe to me being willing to venture frustration because people don't. And churches and just in general don't realize that in life you're going to go through struggles. So talk to me about that and your choice to, you know, make that record. Yeah. Um, total transparency, man. That was the scariest thing I ever wrote. And Earl can vouch for that. I, um, when I recorded it, I told him we were sitting down talking and I was like, man, I'm not sure if I should even drop this because I knew what I said on the record. Um, mm-hmm. But. It was honest and it was raw, and I had to go in deep prayer. You know what I'm saying? I grew up in a church um, myself, so I know God very well. You know what I'm saying? My family is very rooted in spirituality, but mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of things that was happening in this in this season when this tape was being built. So I the thing tell. about 
Yeah, the tell. thing about we still don't know was like COVID had just hit. Right. And um, I'm traveling at the time. Like I had this gig where I was flying around the country making different money, different plays. And um, so I'm flying like four or five times out of the week. The airports are wide open, you know what I'm saying? But the, the world is <laughs> shut down. People are still flying and shit. But what I started noticing was with the chaos, this is Trump's last year in office. So, of course, shit is chaotic. Um, but what I was noticing as I was traveling was that everybody was having the same conversation. I could be in San Francisco on some on a plane next to somebody just talking about the same shit I was just talking about with somebody in D.C. the day before or in Dallas or in Atlanta or in Florida. But I, I realized nobody was having the conversation on the surface. And I'm the type of nigga who like, nah, fuck that. Let's talk about it. Um, so when I was doing in a constant state of, I think this is around... I think this is around like the George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, like all of that shit was happening within like weeks of each other, right? Yeah, around like and, May, June, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember just being—I think I was trying to go to Minnesota. It's crazy that we even talking about this because wow. my homegirl just hit me yesterday about it. I was finna fly to Minnesota because I wanted to see it. Um, and she was like. It's crazy out here. You can't really get around. And I was like, okay. Because I literally was like booking a flight to go. Um, and I just remember like watching so much news and just really being like, what the fuck? And it just came out, man. Honestly, like it's probably the quickest thing I ever wrote. Mm-hmm. I just started pouring out. Just You know what I'm saying? I was t- writing it in my phone, laying in my bed. And I knew what I had wrote. And I instantly I went in the prayer. I was like, God, like, yo, I ain't <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> my nigga, <laughs> one of them situations. And I just remember God saying to me, nah, do that. And that was kind of one of the, I think that's one of the like beginning parts of the tape. Actually, I think that's one of the starting points. That's either the first or second record I wrote. And um, the whole concept was like, I think what God was using me to do in that moment was like, Say hey, say this because I hear y'all. Like, right? Nah, right. I hear y'all. Say it. You know what I'm saying? Because I think one of the things about black people now we getting into a deeper conversation, you know. But you kind of brought up the church, so I got to speak about it. Um, you know, I think one thing about our generation, especially you know the millennials and what we're having a really hard time with, but what we're also breaking barriers down is we've. We're the unlearned generation. We're mm. the unlearned generation. We're the generation that's like, yeah, okay, cool. We tried everything y'all taught us. We trusted everything y'all taught us. We followed it. We graduated. We went to school. We did this. We did that. We trapped. You told us to hustle. Trap or die. We trapped. We died. We did all of this shit. And you niggas is wrong as fuck. Like, and then the internet and then COVID and then everything else was like, yeah, everything you thought you knew. Scrap that. You don't know shit. So, you know, everybody's in this place of questioning, which leads to the title, you know what I'm saying? To me, the tape was, it was my response to Marvin Gaye's what's going on. 40 years later, we still don't know. And now that you say that, I can totally see it. That's a valid valid point, too, because, like, the way you explain it is kind of how I felt about a lot of things in general. Like, 
I think it's just not, I, you know, me, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican, but just not only with, I just think with the world, like even with me, with my older people, like, yes, our customs may be similar, may be different as the same way they could be similar. They could be different, but it's like that shit you did 30 years ago, that, that shit ain't going to work for me. <laughs> Man, that shit wouldn't work. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, look at, look at politics, bro. Like it's literally in our faces. Like, and I don't want, I'm not going to get into politics too much because whatever, but Think about it. Like a lot of shit that's that you know we've known that's been apparent even since the civil rights fucking era. The civil rights era was what sixty years ago. Yeah, we're still in the same cycle. Yeah, you know it's just shit like that where it's like it's literally in your face that we have yeah. these old motherfuckers that keep telling us, "Yo, do this, do that, do this, do that." And it's like it's not working. Like it, what happened, what worked for you when you had the opportunity to do that? Like that's not what's gonna work now, and we need to figure something out. But there's such a Big disconnect. Well, you know, like, I don't know, and it's like, well, maybe you should talk it through, and this, you know, try to understand this. This is the coolest part about it. I I give you some personal, like, so one day, like 2014, I'm I'm going through it, man. I'm fucked up really bad. I'm sleeping in my car, and um, I remember calling my grandma. You know, um, God rest her soul. I remember calling her and just being like, "Hey, grandma, how you how you make it to 84?" And she said to me. I said, how you make it to 84? I'm not sure if I want to be here that long. And she said to me, baby, I can't tell you because y'all world's so different. The peace that that gave me gave me all the strength in the world. Because I said to her, thank you, grandma. Because if I'd have called my mama, she would have tried to give me an answer. And the truth of the matter is she don't have an answer. Nobody knows because this shit is very fucking different. The internet, I, I have an argument that, you know, our generation is, um, we're the most, like, if you look at the history of 2,000 years, man, you take somebody from 1600s and you put them in the 1900s, there's a relation point. The lingo may be different, the customs may be different, but he'll see a horse and be like, oh, that's a horse, you ride that. Mm-hmm. There's a this, 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 and that. You take anybody from any other era and you put them in this internet shit, they're fucking lost. The social media internet shit changed the cards. It made generational gaps way shorter. You know what I'm saying? A nigga 21 can barely relate to a nigga 27 a day. It's a whole different market. You see what I'm saying? So with that Time back into the original question of religion and things of that nature, even what we were taught, the faith that we have as people of color in general was rooted in survival. And those things that never leave our community. But the customs and the things that we've been taught about religion and God come from a broken system and broken information, half information. And we've been using it and wondering why we got more churches in our community, but less prosperity. We got a lot of faith conversations that we're having but you're not seeing the manifest because we're not speaking the right code but if you really do the history of slavery and you realize the preachers were the ones that the slave owners chose you know what i'm saying and taught only so much we didn't teach you everything we taught you enough to keep you oppressed and then that shit just kept snowballing into everything that we've seen today and now preachers are some of the most questionable people on earth this is gonna get me in trouble but fuck them um, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. So, so, um, these are the things that's like, 
happening. And I think what's happening in the world today, like, is God is literally putting question marks on everybody's forehead. Like, you know what I'm saying? Identify yourself, you know? And I think the truth, the truth got to come to the light. And for me, this project was, I've always been honest in my music, but I, I tell people since it dropped, like, this is the most honest project I've ever put out in my life. Like, it was literally like, yo, this is how the fuck I feel. And this is what the fuck I'm saying. And I wanted to see how many people in the world would hear this project and be like, nigga, you hit it spot on. Yeah, no, nah, I'll, I'll just say real quick, because, I mean, you, you basically said everything there. <laughs> I just going to say that, um, you know, when I first checked the link out, you know, I knew you, I had seen that that's a bar freestyle. So I'm like, okay, this is just going to be like, you know, just a lyrical showcase, basically. But then I yeah. actually heard the project, and I'm like, "Bro, this is some dark shit." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's dark. It's I I enjoyed it because it's dark, but yeah. it's also like it comes off as dark. Like even the cover is kind of dark. The titles yeah. are kind of dark, but there's still some sense of like you can figure it out. It's not like a, oh, we're fucking doomed, but like there's yeah. like it's like yo, listen, this is what's going on, and we gonna figure it out. It ain't. It's not gonna be today. It may not be tomorrow, but we'll eventually get some type of knowledge. And no, you just gotta apply yourself to it. Like that's what I got from it. That's why I actually like the title a lot. Like it's very. It seems very simple, but at the same time, it's very like, damn. If you really think about a lot of things, like we still don't know. Like this shit that I thought I that I didn't know at 23 that I'm 30 yeah. now, and I still don't know. I still yeah. don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like your your age, like Earl's. And every you know Larry and Youngin and everybody in general, like you still won't know. It's just you gotta, you know. It's just a very. I always like. I like that saying a lot. Like you know. I appreciate it. I always say like even sometimes I say it like I quote Sting the wrestler like when he said the only thing for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. Right. It's just like you know what I mean. It's the same. It's kind of a similar saying. So that's why I resonated with it too. Yeah, and you know, just listen to that project. It, I can like. Even without you telling me your stories, right, that you just told me in the last few minutes, I can already relate. You know, mm -hmm. rest in peace to Miss Ruby. That was my 80, how old was Miss Ruby when she died? She probably was like 82, 83 years old mm -hmm. when she passed. And I used to take her home from church. You know, I used to soak up so much game and wisdom, you know, yeah. before she passed away, which ironically, like, I can see when that project released in October of 2020, it's like she passed right around that time. So, oh, like, wow. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, I tell people all the time, man, you know, soak up that generation while you still have them because man. they are honest and they are going to tell you how it is. They're not going to sugarcoat it. They're not going to care about your feelings. But that's real love in the way they don't care because they want you to hear the truth. Yeah, you know? So that's definitely a, a powerful project, man. And like I said, I, you know, I'm expecting the lyrical showcase, but it was definitely a great. That's listen. the next project. The next project is a lyrical showcase, so <laughs> that's definitely what you're gonna get from NASA Bar because we just we bar niggas up. But as far as we still don't know, yeah, man. Um, I I, I love how. Um, what's your, what's your name, my man? I'm sorry. Um, Nelson. Nelson, sorry. That's um, all good, bro. I love how you summed it up because that's what it was about for me. So when I did, we still don't know. The problem was that I noticed was like. And I knew it was going to happen as soon as COVID got announced because I know how the cycles work with music. 
mm-hmm. everybody re- pre-records their album like a year in advance. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because there's so many things that got to go in for the marketing rollout. So I knew what was going to happen was a lot of artists was going to drop a bunch of shit that wasn't going to resonate to the time. And then mm-hmm. when you're successful and you and you're a part of these machines and you got quotas to meet, you've seen a lot of artists fumble the bag in 2020 and 2021 even in a sense of like, you know, when it's money power bitches bottles and all the rest of that shit all day every day and that's really your lifestyle when the world don't allow you to do that no more you don't have shit to talk about exactly and for me i was trying to make the project that was gonna make everybody deal with what they was dealing with like the reality of it is nigga we not outside the reality of it is i don't know if we going to fucking war Tomorrow, I don't know if motherfuckers gonna try to run a nigga's houses. I don't know if they on a mission to kill everybody, black and Puerto Rican or of color. I don't know if this nigga Trump gonna try to win again. I don't know what the fuck going on. I'm confused and I'm trying to figure out how to make it through whatever is happening right now because I ain't never seen no shit like this. And typically, I know people choose music to kind of escape, but there was no escape in that moment. For nobody. So my thing was, and you know, maybe it's just a testament to my character, but I'm I always been a face it type of person. Cause at least if I can face it, I can navigate through it. You dig what I'm saying? And that's really what the tape was. So when you get to the ends of it, you know, some of my favorite records is Revelation mm-hmm. and Rage. Um, because it is like, okay, the first half of the tape is me just telling you, hey, what this is what it is. The end of the tape, hey, life gonna teach you how to deal with pain. You see what I'm saying? Hey, cut that shit off, man. They lying. Now we getting into the, this is how we climb out of it. And what a lot of people don't know, um, I just never got to it. I still plan on doing it. But there was going to be a sequel called But I Do Know. Okay. And that was going to be, bitch, get back to this hustle. And let your creativity fly. You know what I'm saying? I think when things like this happen, it's literally for the people like us, these podcasts, these creatives, these writers, these producers, these painters, God just gave us a whole bunch of material to pull from. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, let your talents fly. Let your shit show, speak the fuck up. Because the one thing that the older generation has over us that they've been using as a noose around our neck is that they going to speak the fuck up, whether they loud and wrong (laughs) or right. And we've been always like, we talk, but we don't talk about the shit that really matters. We talk about a bunch of bullshit via memes and social media, but it's like, nah, nigga, step the fuck in this shit. Let your titties swing. Let your nuts hang. Say what the fuck you need to say and run the fuck over whoever the fuck's in the way because old niggas ain't here forever. So nobody ever gave nobody the throne. Like when you talk about 80-year-old people and nigga, them motherfuckers wasn't handed shit. It was, we got to take it. And in our generation, we like, yo, you guys are old, hand it over. Nah, bitch, snatch that shit and sit their old asses down. So, man, this, this is what I'm going to say, and then I'm going to pass it off to my two co-hosts because I know me and you, you know, been we'll do this all night. But before, <laughs> before, before you go then, like, I, I, I do want to interject real quick. Go um, right ahead because I, I got my point saved. It's all cool. Go ahead, brother. I have a theory. As I've listened to that album now for the last year and a half, year and some change, I, I do have a theory that some of our qualms, and this will be a deeper conversation, I'm sure we will circle back to as a collective. Okay. Um, Crown included for sure. We will. I have a theory that the generation X, 
can't remember the listing of the generation before them, but baby boomers, the baby boomers. Um, I have a theory that the baby boomers turned into something that they were never supposed to because Generation X dropped the ball. When you look at the baby boomer generation, they rebel first. Look at the civil rights era. Um, yeah. Look at the innovation era. Even if you look up until they were really active and starting to get to retirement age with the boom of the internet. Mm-hmm. Generation X was the addict era, the um, mm. the, the drop the Vietnam. ball, if you will. The Vietnam. The Vietnam, but exactly. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it for real, We've been so upset at Generation X or at the baby boomers still being in place. And I'm not giving an excuse to how they've acted, but I do feel like they had to because Generation well, it was manipulation. X didn't have the yeah, they didn't they didn't have the wherewithal that we do to want to step up. And I think that there's a conversation there. So there there's something there that failed on both that failed us. But indirectly, not from generation or from the baby boomers, but from Generation X never really stepping up. So I could could speak to that real quick. Go ahead, Crown, and I'm going to speak on it because I I got a full ISO. I'm going to speak on that one because he's telling the truth. But go right ahead, Um, brother. There's two things. There's a couple things that happen. Um, And it's a psychology thing. Generation X was targeted, just like our generation was targeted. Um, and Generation X was targeted by baby boomers. You got to understand, like, the baby boomer generation is coming right off the Great Depression. And they're also coming right off World War One. Um, mm-hmm. So um, it's a one or two. I'm not sure. Was it two? I would say probably two. Two more. Two. I'm, sorry. Pulling up, I'm pulling up the correct classifications for us so that we um, know sorry, which y'all. years no, count as what. So I had so technically correct. Um, so. But because of where they're coming from, they have a different grit about life because they they were born in the midst of chaos. What you're about to see is the babies that are being born during COVID, they're going to have that same grit about life because they're born in chaos. With Generation X, Generation X was targeted. When you talk Vietnam, you talk about drug usage and so forth, it was a power play to never give up power. They were targeted in one sense, and then the other sense of they come from broken structure. You got to realize the amount of death that was just saw in the black community between the 60s alone, from JFK to MLK to Malcolm X, Mm -hmm. just the murder alone stifled X. And then by the time they got old enough to be adults, as kids, you're seeing that shit. By the time you got old enough to be adults, and then you got money in your community. Regardless mm-hmm. of how you got the money, there's money in the community. Right. It's like you just took niggas from. It's like if I go give a hundred thousand dollar nigga a billion dollars tomorrow, or no, fuck, not a hundred thousand dollar, ten dollar nigga a billion dollars tomorrow. He's gonna fucking do his best to blow all of it because he ain't never had to manage more than ten dollars. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? So it was a targeted situation, and then what happened with us was we were. We're babies of a snowball effect of the greatest era ever. If you're born in the 90s and the 2000s, you're a part of black gold. We're literally at the peak of this country. We're at the peak of the Industrial Revolution. We're at the peak of everything that's happened over the last 400 years of just building this. Niggas is getting money. Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson, Tiger Woods, Michael Jackson. You know what I'm saying? We're seeing the the manifestation of what black people can be for the first time. So our expectations of life is sky fucking high. 
because this is the standard that we upheld to. But everybody else before us, like, nigga, shit, shout out to Michael. He made it the fuck out. But I know four niggas in my hood who didn't. You see what I'm saying? And it's more of a, damn, that's our dog, as opposed to that's the standard. For us, it's the standard. And then we get hit with, yeah, the standard is cool, but here go this internet shit. And here go all the rest of this shit. And the standard ain't going to quite work because the niggas who still controlling this internet shit and this all these other markets are the, the baby boomers. <laughs> And some of the Generation X niggas who was smart enough to stick close to the baby boomers and adapt that type, adopt that type of mentality. But by the time you get to us, like, we never really got our legs off. That's why, you know, leader of the lost, that's what it was called. They called us the lost generation. I always thought it was a diss. Like, y'all saying we lost like we stupid. It took me years to realize that they were saying, no, you guys are going to be lost in transition. Y'all are in the gray area. This when we introduce this internet shit to the world and we start changing the cards on this shit, you guys are going to get caught off guard. You're not going to see what's happening. So the kids who grew up in the nineties and then walked into my space, most of us didn't realize this was coding and this was going to be a way of life. We thought this was a way to make sure your girlfriend knew that she was your girlfriend on the top eight and just vibe. You see what I'm saying? But there were other people who were born after us. That was like, no, nah, all I know is the internet. Nigga, all I know is outside. The internet was extracurriculum. Nah, internet is life. So there was just, it's not really nobody dropped the ball. Everything's by design, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's where I was going to ISO from, you know, and I'm going to just ISO for 30, but a minute, and I'm going to pass it to my co-host if they have anything else they want to add to this and just, you know, questions for you in general. But it's more so of like you were saying, man, like you gotta remember, man, like if you switch generations, like some of some people in this generation who get offended by every single little thing would not have lasted during you know the boomer generation or generation X because niggas were saying whatever they wanted to say. It wasn't no like, oh, let me worry about your feelings. Now, one of the great things of this generation is there has been a bigger focus on mental health. Because, again, back then, it wasn't, you know. But the one thing I will say is just in living this life on a personal tip for me, one of my favorite books in the Bible is Ecclesiastes because it talks about how, you know, really and truly, you just got to take it one day by day. And you can't worry too much about what's going on. Not saying that you got to be careless. Not saying that you got to just be walking around, you know, carefree. Everything is meaningless. Exactly. And the thing is, when you know that and when you accept the fact that life is going to go on and be good with or without you, you can learn to appreciate it more. So that's why I appreciate your project, because, again, you know, it is a question about why. But again, you know, in life, you do have to learn how, you know, how. So, right. Yes, Thank sir. You. For sure. I for sure. It. So, yeah, no, um, you know, that's all I had, you know, as far as my questions, you know, is there anything you wanted to Give a crown before we get into I, some shenanigans. I mean, I this project was really good. I appreciate it. I mean, Larry basically took it all away from me, so I appreciate that shit, bro. That's what Thank I do you. best. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we you you know you need that you need that type of honesty. I feel like some I think, and you explained it. You know, we kind of all said it in different forms and fashions, but like this pandemic really, um, it made a lot of people sit down. I mean, shit, even, I mean, we started this podcast in the, basically in the middle of the, almost, a, I guess the end of the pandemic, but. 
we're still not we're still in it you know yeah don't let don't let don't let no don't let no club promoter tell you that that we outside um but yeah like even that like i was like damn i want to start a podcast i don't think i could do it i don't think i could do it and then it's like well i can't go out anymore i can't do this no more you know i can't take my mom or shit let me start this podcast and right i did and you know so i feel like with that like it some people took it as like, oh, I can't go outside, but it's like, yeah, you. Sometimes you need to stay in the house and just listen to your own thoughts, not no, distract sure. yourself all types of shit. So, you know, I appreciate this project because, yeah, as much as I didn't know about some shit, I still don't know about shit, and it's you. You know, you basically you explain that through through your, you know, through the music. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Man, I appreciate y'all listening, man, and just taking time and. Checking it out, man, for sure. For sure. Like, Youngin, was there anything you wanted to mention or say before we continue on with our normal topics? Nah, see, we hit it on the head, for real, bro. Yeah. See, I was I you know, I talked, talk, said what I had to say at the beginning, and see, I kept <laughs> going, see, yeah. Good interview, my boy. Nah, I appreciate it, man. Uh, thank y'all for having me. I got to get ready to go live in a few minutes, but I definitely want to hear some of the shenanigans before I get up out of here. Oh, well, if you want to hear some shenanigans, then real quick, um, since my boy Earl is here, man, I don't know how much longer you got crowned, but I want to have an on-air conversation with Earl in front of the people. We've had this in private. (laughs) I respect Earl. I love Earl. What I did, man. Respectful, disrespectful nigga on this planet. You know what I'm saying? I keep getting that. I keep getting hey, it. Hey, man, take that, make it a T-shirt, and run with it, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I ain't so, never, I never heard somebody just come into a podcast but like, yeah, they got their coochie sped on and say it's so, man, like, nonchalant. Yeah, crazy. I'm like, All right, son. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That did happen. I thought that was a bonus episode. My fault, yeah. Hey, hey, you didn't know your mic was on, bro. That's all cool. Right. You, know, you should make you should make proud gun on your shirt too, but so, that's okay. <laughs> so, Crown, you mentioned you know your love of music and things of like that earlier. You know, inspirations, things of that nature. So, you know, about a week or so ago, me and Earl and a friend of the podcast named B Dot. I don't even mm-hmm. know if I want to call him a friend at this point. He's a friend, but he he's a different breed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had a friendly conversation. I want to have it on air. So I mean, because the conversation started because I forgot we were talking about verses, and ironically, this week they announced Anthony Hamilton and Music Soul Child. We're gonna get to that later. It's gonna be a good one. I think Music Soul Child is getting put respectfully in a you know fronto backwood. You know, that's gonna be a good one. Um, Anthony got a lot, man. But music got music got the ones that when you hear them bitches, you be like, God damn. But Anthony got a lot of them shit, so it's gonna be an interesting battle. But go ahead. Yeah, Yeah, I was gonna say Anthony, man. That's I'm I'm gonna get into I'm gonna get into my theory about Anthony Hamilton because I'll you know I I said in the group chat I say it on air I don't care you know I feel like Anthony Hamilton held it down. And you know, was the king of neo soul RB when Maxwell and D'Angelo were scared to come outside. But we're gonna talk about that in just a bit. Um, but we had a fun conversation because we were talking about Jodeci and who could top Jodeci. And I remember earlier I mentioned New Edition, and somebody was like, somebody who shall not be named, who was also on this podcast, was like, I don't want to hear that second bass ass music. So <laughs> 
So, <laughs> so with that being said, and anybody can jump in at this point, I mean, where do you stand on quote unquote I, I put it to you like this. Where do you stand on 80s R&B pre-Babyface? Because mm. Babyface and Teddy really lead into the transition into Thank you. what we know as 90s R&B. There is no 80s R&B without Babyface and Teddy, though. Like, you so, can't even... That's, I, that doesn't even exist. I would, I would argue, for argument's sake, and say that there is R&B, but what we, what we know culturally as... R&B. Yeah, it's no, you know, Babyface, yeah, like, Jimmy Jam. Rock City is wrote by Babyface. So, yeah. It's yeah. like everybody that was what, 79, 80? Yeah, cuz you got to think yeah. the Dell is 78, 79, 80. So, if you take away Babyface and Teddy from the 80s, then all you have is Michael and Prince. Well, I mean, you still have a few, you know, you have Keith what, Sweat, but that's Teddy. No, but even He's still too. like even like guys like, you know, Larry Silver, you got Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. You, know, you got you got yeah, a Jimmy yeah. Jam. But what I'm saying is like it's definitely a benchmark 1000% with Babyface. So, you know, with Babyface and prior, you know, with New Edition, you know, you did have, you know, the quote-unquote serenade and you know, granted Babyface was tripping. I'm going to get into some of the lyrics in a bit. But uh he's one of the greatest lyrics ever. Go ahead. Oh, listen, Trick Hall of Fame. Like, ain't, ain't nobody yeah. listen. Dirty Mac Hall of Fame. Trick oh, 100 percent. Fifteen thousand like, yards on the ground. Lying. Damn, like, lying. <laughs> he, he ain't even the Hall of Fame. Like, it's like ten statues of him outside. It's the Deal statue. It's the Boomerang statue. It's the Tender Love statue. <laughs> it's so many Yo. statues. So. <laughs> It, so, in your oh, personal man. opinion, because I know I'm probably going to be four one on this, and I don't care. Do you feel like New Edition, as great as they are, has a chance in a versus with a group like Jodeci? And I do want to just uh, say this before before I get anybody, off here, because I got to start my R&B night in a few minutes. You good? Before I'm ask, go ahead. I'm just gonna say Jodeci State is damn near top two and not two. I'm gonna be honest with you, dog. Ever. I'm going to be honest with you, dog, as a musician, and I come from an R&B circle. God, mama was Betty right. I'm going to keep it buck with you. Jodeci's getting washed, sir. They're getting fucking washed. Jodeci Thank you. is... Jodeci <laughs> is a... Let me, let me tell you something about Jodeci, honestly, guys, that we overhype. Jodeci was an era. It was a frequency. It was a vibe. When you really play these albums in... in like back to back, like I study albums, three albums back to back. Their singles are strong. It's very 90s though. Like Jodeci will have a hard time with Boys the Men, to be honest with you. Like mm. they'll have a hard time. Jodeci was a frequency and they were a first to do something that had never been done in RB. So they hold the same pocket as Bobby in the sense of like you guys took RB groups and made them bad boys. But it was more about a lifestyle and an image than it was about just the music. Like, the music worked. It's like Trey Songz Ready in 2010. It's a lot of jits walking the earth today because of that album. But it has no comparison to R. Kelly. <laughs> There's no comparison to Usher's Confession. It was a frequency that he hit in a certain pocket that carried him for two or three projects. And that's the same thing with Jodeci. As far as, like, 80s R&B and shit, like, you talking about a group, nigga. Who mom and auntie 
didn't sit around a TV for two nights in a row and watch that movie, nigga. Like, kids, mamas, daughters, uncles, aunties, grandparents, that's 30, 40-year career. Jodeci had a four-year run, bro. That's it. And it was a it was a massive, it was a special four-year run. But, nigga, off that four-year run, Drew Hill had a five-year run. 112 had a five, six-year run. Jagged Edge had a five-year run. It was a lot of niggas that came up under that and did it to either equal level or some would say better. I wouldn't say better. But, you know what I'm saying? I just think I think the Jodeci shit is a little overrated, in my personal opinion. But I'm going to say that and dip out. I'm going to listen on the slide because I know y'all finna talk crazy. <laughs> oh, it's finna get heated. Don't don't you worry. And you know, you know. You know. Than, hold on, Earl. Before you go, Crown, before it gets respectfully disrespectful, thank you Welcome. for coming through. Thank, thank you for the you. Interview. Appreciate you. I will send you the link next week and you can join us for this mixtape conversation. And we appreciate you coming through, my boy. Likewise, man. I appreciate y'all having me. For sure, man. Shopforeveropen.com. Check know it. And go stream his music. Yes, sir. You know. Here's the thing, man.